Dr. Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Well, folks, it's now 17 years of these interviews. The show has changed formats. It's been on different radio stations through the years. But here we are. It's the Paul Leslie Hour. You know what? It's not half bad. It keeps on going, and we've got a great interview on this show with the legendary Dan Penn, singer, songwriter, record producer. He wrote so many classics. The Dark End of the Street, Do Right Woman, Do Right Man, Cry Like a Baby, I'm Your Puppet. So many great songs. Do you hear that? The new theme music? Isn't that something? That is Karina Karina, the old blues song. And this version that you're hearing was recorded specifically for the Paul Leslie R. That's John Primerano playing the piano. Visit his website, johnprimerano.com. And thank you, John Primerano, for performing this new theme song for us. You can support the Paul Leslie Hour. Just go to thepaulleslie.com. Any contribution, small, medium, or large, it's all very appreciated and keeps the show going. I just want to take a moment and thank all of the people who have been interviewed through the years. There's been 800, 900 or so of you. But most of all, I want to thank you all, the listeners. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. It means a lot to me. Well, folks, let's get into the show. Hey, it's me. Ladies and gentlemen, on this episode of the Paul Leslie Hour, we are now in our 17th year, and I'm very honored to welcome an influential songwriter. He has been recorded by the greatest singers in many genres, from soul, blues, rock, and country, Aretha Franklin, Jerry Lee Lewis, The Box Tops, Conway Twitty, Percy Sledge, Janis Joplin, and many others have all put their stamps on songs he wrote. Dan Penn's records are a real treat to listen to. His vocals are one of a kind. His latest album is called Living on Mercy. It's out now on CD and digital. There's a vinyl record coming out very soon as well. It's a great honor to welcome this legendary songwriter and inductee of the Alabama Music Hall of Fame. Dan Penn, thank you on behalf of all listeners for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Paul. It's good to be here. Good to be with you. It's an uh, honor. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. So how does it feel to record and release an album in this day and age? It's been a few years since the last one. What What are your thoughts? Well. It's always good to put out an album. I mean, I I didn't know where I'd ever do another one or not, but, uh, you know, the opportunity arose, and uh, I had the songs laying around, so I said, hey, I think uh, maybe I'll just cut me a wreck. So that's the way I do. You know, I'm not a, I don't have to have a record out every year or every two years. Or, this is the first time I've been on a label in uh, many years. So it feels good. It feels good to put out a fresh record and uh, one that people seem to be liking as good as they do. It sounds really good, and there's some great songs on there. I was listening uh, a few minutes ago, again, to the title track, Living on uh, Living on Mercy. And I, I was thinking about what a thing mercy is. 
What got you inspired to write that one? Well, you know, me and Wayne Carson was out in the car. We was in Springdale, Arkansas, home of the Kate brothers. And uh, we were thinking about maybe trying to write them something and cut a record or something on them, me and Wayne together. And uh, we were out in the car, and we we wrote Living on Mercy and uh, Edge of Love the same afternoon. And the Kate brothers put them down on their little four-track for me. And then we came on back to Nashville. We, it, 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 everything kind of fell through on cutting a record on those guys, although they're the best. But I just couldn't quite get it together. But uh, anyway, I had the song, and there was really nothing that made us write the song except we were there and we were right. And that's the way it is a lot of times. You know, that there's sometimes you just you get it, and you you really don't deserve it maybe i don't know but uh of course you deserve what you get but uh that's about it on it it wasn't any big flash it made me write that it's just i agree with you mercy is a is a wonderful thing you know overlooked a lot of times but i guess that's one of the best words in the english language Mm -hmm. (laughs) mercy mercy you know and you can't get it everywhere you go either True, uh, but but you know God's got the mercy. He's the one that gives us all the mercy. So it's out here. It's there. If you want to ask for it, you might get it. You know. Hmm. And you recorded this album in Nashville and in Sheffield, Alabama. So what was the reasoning behind that? Two places where a lot of great recorded music has come from. Well, I. I'd, I'd planned to cut it in my studio, but by the time I got I got ready to call everybody, my power supply and my board started making a racket, and you know it took me right out of there. So I called my friend Buzz Cation, who's got a great studio called Creative Workshop there in Nashville, and he said, "Yeah, come on over." And so I booked it, and I got got all these great players to come, and we we did. Uh, Two or three days there, we we cut half the album there, and uh, then it then we took a little break and uh, needed some more songs. So I got together with Will McFarland, wrote a couple of new songs, and uh, you know the uh, I, I tried to get it back together for Creative Workshop, but I just couldn't land the musicians in the studio on a given day. They were, everybody was running to and fro, and the studio being Booked stuff, so I started looking around and I called the Nut House down in Sheffield. Uh, Jimmy Nut, uh, he, he's an owner and run, he's an engineer and all. So I booked that and we went down and got the same players, and I had five or six, seven more songs. So went in there and had a great time too, and that was a great studio. And you know we were cutting on the same thing, so they actually sound a whole lot alike and. Uh, that's kind of the way it went. There's a song on there that I it really caught my attention, and I'm hoping you can tell us about Down on Music Row. Yeah, well, there was a guy down here in Alabama, down in uh, Mobile. He's kind of a friend of a friend, and he he was making, he was thinking about making a uh, a, a a little movie type thing like Nashville. 
you know, about Nashville. And that's back when Nashville was a series, you know. And I didn't think it was that great an idea, but it, but he asked me to write a song, or I, I started thinking about, well, what if it was a great idea, and you, they asked me to write a song. So, so I started thinking about it, and uh, I started going down to the studio. I got a studio there in the house, so I would get up at night at midnight or so and go down and take her on the piano. And I started writing a little bit there on it, and then over a series of three or four nights, I had written it, and, you know, there was really no agenda. It, it was just uh, my imagination of what uh, what may be happening out there, people coming to, to Nashville, Los Angeles, wherever you're going. It's just hard to get in. It's always been, and it still is today. And Nashville is, uh, I could just imagine a lot of people getting off the buses trying to make it in the country music business, and many of them can't. A few of them might. But uh, hard to get a door open up up there for for new for new people, especially amateurs and stuff. So that was it. You know, I just I just thought, well, but there's a lot of people down on Music Road. It's down, actually down, because they can't <laughs> get ahead. So that's where the song came from. Interesting. Why do you think some people make it in the music business and some people don't? Well, you know, you got to get a break. You can be a good singer, a good songwriter. You can be a lot of good things. But unless you get a break, unless you meet somebody that'll crack the door open for you, then you're just not going to ever get there. So, you know, I got a break early on. When I was still a teenager, I wrote that song, It's a Bluebird Blue, recorded by Conway Twitty, and it opened doors for me all up, you know, at Fame and everywhere. It was my... It was my break. And that's the only thing I know. You know, there's plenty of people that can out-sing you. Plenty of amateurs out there that can sing. You know, they sing in the bathroom or wherever, but a lot of them are really good singers. They sing in church, you know. And that's a good place to uh, find good singers is in church. So, you know, but why some of them make it, some of them don't? You know, I... I just don't know other than to say that uh, you got to get a break, and you got to. It's up to you to get it. Nobody's going to give it to you. But in my case, it was it was a blessing to fail when I was sixteen years old, seventeen years old, and uh, I was a junior in high school when that song was a hit. And you know, how did I get that break? God only knows. But I did get that break, and uh, I've had breaks all the way up. I've been blessed on this uh, music business. I've uh, been really lucky. There's so many great songwriters that you wrote with. You were mentioning earlier Buzz Kaysen. There's Wayne Carson, as you mentioned, that you wrote with. I read where you said that you have to know the co-writer. How do you get to know them? Well, you got to hang out. You know that's just the way it is. <laughs> you've got to uh, you got to hang with somebody a while and and get to know them. You know it's the same old thing for anything, but that's the way you get to know somebody is be with them and uh, share some time and 
see how it works out. Uh, that's why you know you don't go looking too much for green songwriters because you got to you got to break them in. You, you got to get to know them, and uh, you know you got to like them. You got to love them. You know you you you've got to love your co-writer. You can't have any friction going. So, so the best thing to do is just if you're going to write with somebody, is just get together and write and see how it comes out. If it's comfortable and you have a good time and you write a good song or a part of a good song, well, you may have a new friend there, a new, new songwriting friend. So, you know, but hanging out uh, is uh, pretty well said. Well, on that note, one of the songs on this album, Living on Mercy, a lot of the listeners probably recognize it, but it's I Do, which you wrote with Spooner Oldham, and you've written so many great songs together. You know, I, I've known that we were going to do this interview for a while, and I don't know if it's just because I hadn't noticed them before, but I would be watching a movie, and there would be a song that you wrote with Spooner, and I would say, oh, there's another one. And then there, <laughs> yep. and then there'd be another one, and then I got an album, and, and I was looking on the liner, and I was, oh, there's another one. Could you define the magic yeah. Well, Spoon and I love each other. You know, we just uh, love bugs. We've always been, uh, from the time I met him and started writing with him, he was uh, just a wonderful guy. And we started hanging out at Fame. Uh, I was a writer there, and then I got him in down there. And I had to key the studio. And we'd go to fame at night when the rest of them would go home. We'd go in there. We would use their pianos, organs, their microphones, their recorders. We would write songs, and we'd write two or three songs a night. And then we'd put them down, and Rick Hall would come in in the morning and listen to them and go, yeah, I like that second one, or I like all of them, or whatever. So we did that for, you know, a number of years. And if you start, not every night, but I would say a couple of nights a week anyway, maybe three three nights a week and uh, you get a lot of songs and uh, you get your names on a lot of songs. I believe there was a time when Spoon and I didn't come off the chart for, I don't know, three or four years. We were in some chart, R&B, country, or jazz or something. We were in some kind of chart. So, you know, um, he and I go back a long way. And yes, we have written some pretty good songs. And we might again. You never know. <laughs> There's so many great songwriters through the years who have Alabama roots. I mean, you could you could go back to Hank Williams. <laughs> but Exactly. Do you have any idea why that is? I don't have any idea why that is, except to say that the uh, the South is very poetic. Hmm. You know, just period. Hank Williams is a good example. Some of the great novel writers were were, were from the South. And there's good people from everywhere. That's not to say that there's not. But the South seems to have a overabundance of songwriters, good songwriters. And they all have the black influence. Not every one of them, but most of them uh, have the black influence. You know, we 
we just had more soul records cut down here, seems like. And uh, it's it's just a special place that uh, that puts out a pretty good vibe for you if you're looking to write a good song. There's something in there, you know. It's uh, it's here. It's it's the South. One of the things I really like about this album, Living on Mercy, is your singing. It's a very distinctive voice that you have. Who would you say your vocal influences are? Well, all the records I ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I like Elvis. I like Tom Jones. I like Ray Charles and Bobby Blue Bland. I like all the black singers of the 60s and 70s. And, uh, you know, I don't sit around and try to copy anybody now. But back in the day, you know, I, I, I try to sound exactly like Ray Charles or Bobby Blue Bland. I could get pretty close, you know. But one night I was playing six nights a week in Birmingham, Alabama, at a place called the Y Club. And after the after the gig, we would go to another we go to another club and and watch that band. They were later than us. And I walked in there one night, and there's a guy named Charles Ray sitting at the piano or the organ. And man, he didn't try to sound like Ray Charles. He he sounded exactly like Ray Charles. Played piano just as good. I said, man, I'm gonna have to give it up. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is so good, you know. So I said, I better go to singing like myself. <laughs> Interesting. But um. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like I like a lot of country singers. You know, I like Eddie Arnold. I like uh, I like smooth singers. I like pretty music. So everybody that ever sounded pretty, I, I'm I'm on their I'm on their side. <laughs> well, there've been some great great artists that have done your songs through the years. I mentioned a bunch of them at the beginning. It was uh, it was just yesterday I was listening to Jerry Lee's recording of "I Hate You." But I'm curious to know from you, this might be a difficult question, who has done the best job with a Dan Penn song? I think Alex Children don't cry like a baby. That's a great one. I mean, you know, he he was uh, very young, very talented, and he just stepped forth and killed it. And uh, I've had a lot of people, like say, you know, satisfy my soul on how they done my song. But Alex was special. He 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 just nailed cry like a baby and I guess that's my favorite, you know, as far as somebody pleasing me when they done my song. Has there ever been a version that was done of one of your songs that it surprised you the way they did it? Well, yeah, I've heard stuff like that over the years, but I can't really say what they are, you know. There's all kind of cuts on dark end of the street that that are surprising to me. You know, they their, their style they put on it and everything. Uh, of course, James Carr was the master of that song and that style. But you know, uh, the the Burrito uh, Brothers they did it, and people like that that I didn't quite ever understand. But that's okay. Hey, I've heard I've, they weren't all that bad. They were just kind of country, you know, and I was never the biggest country fan, but I wrote some country, and I've enjoyed some country, but 
I just fall to the blues side. You know, I like my leg to move when I hear song. <laughs> well, I know that there's a lot of Dan Penn fans who are listening to us, and I want to say hello to one. Hi, y'all. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> there's a gentleman, a great songwriter, Bruce Birch, and I think he's probably one of the biggest Dan Penn fans I've ever met. But having, being that you have performed and released records through the years, how would you describe the typical Dan Penn fan? Now you got me there. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't crawl into the skin. I have no idea. But I think I know Bruce Birch. So, uh, hi, Bruce. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I don't know what the... I, I, I'm surprised, you know, that a lot of people, a lot of real grown people that ought to know better, <laughs> you know, they, they're fans. And uh, and then, you know, I have some young people, too. I, it's, I'm surprised a lot of times on who might like my stuff. It's, uh, but it's, it tends to be a, on the old, a little older crowd, you know. But uh, I'm really lucky to have fans, you know, I, I just sing them and write them and hope that somebody likes them. <laughs> well, on that note, what do you hope someone gets from listening to your music from an album like Living on Mercy, other than just enjoyment? Well, that last thing there, that's why I hope they get enjoyment. Uh, you know, I don't know the any of the... Uh, I really don't know. Uh, I just, like I say, I write them and sing them and put them down and and then it's out of my hands. I don't know what they're going to get out of it. They may not like it at all. I know what I get out of it. I make them for myself. You know, I, if I like them, I like them. If I don't like them, I ain't going to put them out. So I'm kind of selfish. You know, I'm a, I'm a I'm an artist kind of guy. So I I suit myself, and I hope that somebody else will like what I like. And all at the same time, I know I'm a little unique, you know. So I hope they like it. What is the best thing about being Dan Penn? <laughs> now, that is a big question. I I don't know. I'm I'm I've got so many things to be so happy about. I, I don't know, Paul. It's uh, I think right now I'm. I'm working on the 35 Plymouth. I'm water sanding it today. I'm real happy about that. So I don't know what Dan Penn really the the guy is the happiest about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can say that for anybody out there that wants some joy, check out danpen.com for more information. The album we've been talking about, it's called Living on Mercy. It's out now, and there's also going to be a limited edition vinyl version that's going to be coming soon. I highly recommend this album. Mr. Penn, I really appreciate this opportunity to talk to you. It's an honor to interview you. I always like to end the interview. I just give the guest to the stage. Not limited to music. What would you say to anybody who has tuned in? Well, you know, good to talk to y'all. Uh, good, good that I got this chance to say hello. And it's always good to talk with anybody who's got the last name Leslie. That's like a B3, you know. 
So you're like a Hammond organ there. You got a Leslie. <laughs> and I'm so happy. I'm so happy to talk to you, Paul, and uh, and all you folks out there. Hope you can buy one of these records and enjoy it. We can't seem to go anywhere and do anything these days, but you can you can order a damn pin CD from Amazon and <laughs> sit back and enjoy it. <laughs> so, you know, adios. I hope everybody's doing well. Well said. All right. Well, Dan Penn, thank you very much. I hope we get a chance to talk again someday. Maybe so, Paul. I hope so, too. All right, sir. Until next time. Adios. Adios. Bop, bop, Goodbye.